0: Why am I so tired? Why am I so tired? This was the question asked recently by Time Magazine journalist Brad Stuhlberg. Uh, Brad's saying that according to the stats on Google, one of the most searched questions is, why do I feel tired all the time? Perhaps you can relate. Perhaps it's understandable coming out of a pandemic Where there is an increased level of stress and change and loss and uncertainty, it has sapped our energy. People are reporting a new level of weariness, and it's not just physical. People are saying, I feel tired inside, tired emotionally, maybe even tired spiritually. Some have said, you know, I just haven't resumed many of the spiritual practices that I used to have before the pandemic. Sometimes I wake up on a Sunday and it's just easier to just turn on the TV and watch the service or maybe just forego that altogether. So for those of us who are, can relate, what, what do we do? Where do we turn? Do you sense a, a longing for a kind of renewal of strength, a renewal of inner Power. We, we need it. Because frankly, we need power to keep our promises and our commitments, don't we? We need power to love those around us who frankly sometimes can be a little bit annoying. Amen? We need power to love those people. We need power to endure hardship and suffering. As I look out at this congregation, I know that some of you in the last several months have found yourself in a place you don't want to be. Life has taken you down a path that was unexpected and unwanted and uncomfortable. And we need power to be able to endure suffering and hardship, don't we? We need power to resist temptation, to overcome addiction. We need power as Mike mentioned last week, to live out of this gospel story that we've been called to. In the midst of all of the stories we're invited to find ourselves in, it's the gospel story. We need power to be able to do that. And one day, when Jesus was looking at his followers 2,000 years ago, about to send them out on mission, knowing that they would feel discouraged, they would feel powerless, they would feel weary, he said these words. Luke 24, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Acts eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus made a promise to his followers 2,000 years ago, and that promise holds to true to us today. Jesus promised that he has sent an ally, a champion, an advocate, a guide, who comes to comfort, to transform, to sustain, and to fill you and I with a new strength. We're beginning a series today on the gift of the Holy Spirit. In this post-Easter season, tide. we're looking at what is this gift that was promised to us, this gift of a renewing and strengthening power that has been promised to us. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the nature of the Spirit's work? And Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the symbols we find in the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit as our helper, our teacher, our intercessor. The Holy Spirit as a seal, a dove, fire, the one who renews us and renews the whole earth. And this morning, in this opening message, I want to sort of set the stage for what we're going to look at over these next coming weeks. And just to really simply back up and ask the question who, who is the Holy Spirit? And what, generally speaking, is the nature of the Spirit's work? What is this gift that has been promised to us? And how can we lean in and receive this gift of the Spirit? So first, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, Christians uh, for, for thousands of years have believed that God exists as Trinity, as a triune triune God, three persons in one God. God as Father, God as Son, and God as Spirit. And let's just acknowledge right off the bat that God as Holy Spirit is a little weird to us. I mean, God as Father, we understand that. We understand the image of a Father, so we can kind of make that connection in our heads. And God the Son... Miraculous, no question. But we we kind of get it. We understand and can wrap our minds around this image. But God as Spirit, well, what does that even mean? You know, I grew up in a, a Pentecostal church, and we we didn't call it the Holy Spirit. Anyone know what we called we called it? Any, the Holy Ghost. As a kid, I was like, ghosts are scary. Stay away from ghosts. And then I show up at church and they're talking about the Holy Ghost. Um, no, ghosts are scary, but not this one. This one is good, you know, really confusing as a young kid, the Holy Ghost. How, how do we make sense of this? Well, let's back up for a moment. I wanna look at the early pages of the scriptural story. We're gonna do a, a bit of a, a whirlwind tour through the Old Testament real quick, Okay. Just to back up, because in the early pages of the Bible story, the creation story, we get this picture of God creating the heavens and the earth. And it says that it was dark, and there was a picture of chaos and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And In the next few verses, we read that the Spirit of God brought order into that chaos. The Spirit of God brought beauty and brought life. And the, the word that's used here is the word ruach, which, which means, it has a number of nuances, but for us it means wind. So think about this. We know, we, we know the power of the wind. We can't see the wind. It's invisible, but we know it's real. We see what it does. We can't control it. Second nuance is the word breath. If you're not not breathing, you're not alive. And we know with each breath that that sort of gives us life. And so here's some pictures of what the Spirit is, who the Spirit is, the wind and the breath of God. The Holy Spirit is God's personal an empowering presence which is given to us. And in the Old Testament as we continue we see that the Holy Spirit enabled people to do things that they couldn't do on their own. For example, we read about Joseph who was able by the spirit to interpret Actually, I think you turned it off. It's it's back on. (laughs) You will receive power. uh, Should I try this one? Can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? What do I do? What do I do? I'll, I'll try this one this one this one should work, right I'm just remembering that Matt said, "Check the batteries on that mic before you start, which I didn't do, so my fault there. So the spirit empowers God's people to do things that they can't do on their own. And then we find that the prophets of God came along and they were able to share things that no one else could see. They were able to share things from God's perspective and bring insight. One of the prophets, Ezekiel, said this about a promise that would come later. For I will take you out of the nations. They had been scattered at this point. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. The promise was is that this gift of the Spirit, which seemed to be given in certain select people and situations was going to be available to all of God's people to empower them, to give them a new heart, new desires, a new inner strength to love God and to love others. And then, In the culmination of the biblical story arrives Jesus. And at his baptism, what happens? He receives this voice of affirmation. And then the Spirit descends on him like a dove. This beautiful moment. You know, at the baptisms last week, I asked that we could get four doves that would just arrive and land on our baptismal candidates. I didn't think that was too much to ask. Ryan and Mike couldn't work that out. But next time, that's not too much to ask, is it? Uh, the Spirit of God, which descends on Jesus and now empowers him. And we see profound and powerful teaching. Jesus, in his first sermon, says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He, he ministers, heals, redeems, resurrects in the power of the Spirit of God. And then as we celebrated last week, what happens on Good Friday? Jesus is nailed to a Roman cross and on Sunday morning, he is resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then get this, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but Paul says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. What a staggering thought. The same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. You have access to the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And Jesus, looking at his followers, said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them the breath, the wind, the ruach of God. The Spirit is God's empowering presence given to us to live in us, to do things that we can't otherwise do. And as we're going to see in this series, the Spirit-empowered followers of Jesus spoke in other languages to be able to testify to who God was. They went out with a boldness and a conviction and a profound inner strength because of the power of the Spirit. I want to just highlight two brief things, again, to set the stage for what we're going to talk about in these next few weeks, about the nature of the Spirit's work in our lives. First, the Holy Spirit empowers, as we've been talking about. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do that which we can't do on our own. The Holy Spirit helps us to live a life that God calls us to, to live like Christ, Now you're saying, Jade, that's really, really general. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked that question because in the book of Galatians, we find out more about what this spirit-led life looks like. In Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are consequences of the Spirit in your life. A fruit of the Spirit means it's not a fruit of your discipline, though discipline is good. It's not a a fruit of your willpower, though willpower has its place. It's not a fruit of your temperament or your, your upbringing or your internal values these this is an evidence when the spirit of god is in your life he produces these fruits these this fruit that comes out and is expressed love no surprise there because that's who god is love is the want love is to want the good of the other and to do something about it love reminds us that When the Spirit works in our lives, he helps us to break free from our own self, our own ego, our own needs, our own concerns, and to really and truly live for the other. Do you you have that in your life? If you do, that's the evidence of God's Spirit at work in you. It's not possible to love without the Spirit of God. You can do it short-term, You can do it on a good day. But in order to truly break free of yourself and your ego, you need God's spirit to enable you to do what only he can do through you. We read further about joy and peace. You know, as I was reading through this, I was thinking of um, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. You know, when a preacher runs out of stories, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta is kind of a go-to. Um, but one of the things that, that was mentioned about Mother Teresa is this presence of joy in her life, this presence of, of, of peace and joyful presence, I think is a sign of God's Spirit at work within us. And what's really interesting to me is that after Mother Teresa of Calcutta died, we, we were exposed to all of her writings and her journals, and we found out that Mother Teresa actually struggled with really significant doubts, with anxiety, with seasons of depression. And we got a very real picture of, of the kind of challenges that she walked through, and yet her ministry continued to be one of joyful presence and peace, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that, that doesn't really make sense, a harmony and a serenity that endures change and suffering. We need God's Spirit to be able to live this out. And this is what is promised to us, is you can't, you can't do this without the gift and the power of the Spirit in your life. So friends, I wonder if there is a place, as we just pause for a moment, where you feel weary, where you feel weak, where you feel a loss of energy and vitality, a place of weakness, and could it be that your invitation is that is precisely the place that God wants to meet you and fill you afresh with his spirit? That instead of relying on your own strength, that you are invited to look to another source and to say, God, this is an area of, of powerlessness that I feel in my life. It could be a relationship. And that we would look to the living God and say, Spirit of God, I, I need your strength to do what I can't do on my own. What might be that, that place for you? The Spirit empowers, and the Spirit also renews. This is the second thing I want to just touch on briefly. The Spirit renews us. The Spirit helps the good news of Jesus Christ to come alive in us. Just as the Spirit once created the first human being, and we read in that early Genesis story that after God had fashioned Man, out of the dust, he he breathed life into his nostrils and he became a living human being. So God's spirit breathes life into us and renews us. The the Holy Spirit helps the gospel to come alive in our lives. John Wesley is a towering figure in the history of the church. And uh, as I read a little bit, Reminded myself about Wesley's um, life. I was really impressed, lived in England in the 18th century. Wesley was devoutly religious. He was part of a club at Oxford called the Holy Club. Terrible name, I'm not in marketing, but I would have advised them to change that name. Uh, but the reason they were called the Holy Club is because of their devout religious practices. Get this, uh, Wesley fasted twice a week. He visited people in prison. He had a ministry among the poor, and this one was particularly touching to me. When people were sick and dying, he would go and hold their hands and pray with them. He had remarkable activity and output for God. But there was a problem for Wesley, is that he felt very distant from God. He felt frustrated. It was as if he was getting weary and tired, and all of this activity for God was maybe of his own strength. And one day, on what we would call a, a missions trip to America, he was on the boat, and he thought this. He said, I went to America to convert others, but oh Who will convert me? Have you ever been in a place where you feel like you're really busy, but something is missing and you're feeling a sense of distance or disconnection from God? And then one day, the story goes that at age 35, Wesley was at a kind of Bible study at Oxford and they were reading Martin Luther's preface to the Epistle of the Romans. I just want to set the context for you here um, because they were not reading the book of Romans. They were not even reading the commentary on the book of Romans. I've read some commentaries, some are great, some are a little dry and a little boring. They were reading the preface to the commentary on the book of Romans. If that doesn't sound very interesting to you, you're in good company. And so, ironically, in this moment, something happens. The Holy Spirit touches Wesley's life in a profound way. And he famously writes, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. That moment forever changed Wesley. He said, My my faith went from being the faith of a servant to the faith of a son. Maybe you've experienced this that you, you come back to a Bible story that you're familiar with, you know, you've read before. But somehow this time it's different. Somehow something leaps off the page and grabs your soul. Or it's in the middle of your work week, and you remember a worship song. And for whatever reason, you you know this worship song. You've you sung it a thousand times, but for whatever reason, the Spirit of God makes it real to you in a new way. And you stop, and you just go, "Wow! The Spirit of God is the one who renews us, renews our faith." Do you? Those of you who have followed Christ for a long time, you know the Bible. You've been involved in church. You've been faithful. Do you hear this story of John Wesley? Do you hear this promise of the Spirit of God? Do you sense your own weariness? And does something stir within you? Lord, come Holy Spirit and touch my life again. Renew me. Empower me by your Spirit, but renew me. Make this gospel story come alive again in my life. As the Scottish theologian Sinclair Ferguson said, the Holy Spirit doesn't add information about Jesus. He simply opens our eyes to see who he really is. So what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? Well, for those of us who are feeling depleted, and weary, and longing for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. I want to offer you a prayer that always works. You can't say that about many prayers, but this prayer always works. It works if you're young or you're old, if you're new to faith in Christ, or you're exploring, or you've been a follower of Christ for many years. It works if you're feeling successful or not successful, and this is the prayer. Veni sanctu spiritus. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. It's actually the only way that we can do this. We can't manage or contrive anything. All that we can do is ask for the Spirit to come and to renew us day by day. And when we do that, when we wait and long to receive the Spirit, and pray, come Holy Spirit, here is a promise from the book of Isaiah that we can also hang on to. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you long for God's Spirit, hear these words. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, those who wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that precisely in those places of weakness, of weariness, precisely in those places where we do not feel strong, We pray, come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us again. Come and renew us again. We long to breathe in the breath of God to experience a new inner strength and power from you. I pray for this community here that Today and through this series that we will find ourselves again and again praying, Come Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Renew us, in Christ's name, amen.